You're with SBS Radio. John, I was just watching on TV and um, basically hearing from John Andrews on TV, I shared a call all my friends uh, who live in the building and told them that, you know, we're going to be in, in harsh lockdown. That was Barry Bire, a youth worker and a resident of Housing Towers in North Melbourne and Flemington. The sudden hard lockdown of nine public housing towers in North Melbourne and Flemington in July 2020 was one of the toughest moments in Melbourne's long battle against the COVID-19. Hello and welcome to the second episode of this four-part series podcasts from SBS on the vaccine rollout within the African community in Australia. My name is Hassan Chama and I'm the executive producer for Somali language on SBS radio. This podcast series will explore how public housing tower residents who endured the nation's harshest lockdown last year are coping this year's outbreak and the lessons learned. We will discuss those issues with community leaders and members of African communities. The Victorian government had then said the resident had to be locked in because of the number of active coronavirus cases in the towers. Many of these residents are from low socioeconomic or migrant backgrounds, including a large number from East Africa. That was the most severe COVID-19 outbreak response implemented in Australia, when the restrictions on movements have been imposed without warning. One year on, the memory of lockdown lives on, but as Melbourne undergoes another wave of coronavirus and its sixth lockdown, has anything changed for the resident of the public housing towers? Barry Berry, born in Australia to Eritrean parents, was in North Melbourne flat he shares with his brother and mother when announcement of the lockdown was made last year. How does he view Melbourne's current outbreak and its vaccination rollout? And what lessons has he learned? He says lack of communication was an issue around COVID then and remains so when it comes to vaccination. The thing is, there was no information coming from the our own our own local um, GPs to be there um, to say it's okay to take it or it's not okay to take it. He is calling for more resources to be given to the community to address the current outbreak and vaccine rollout. The, the question mark is like, what resources can you give to the African communities um, for people that who are you know affected in the COVID-19 um, or people that who are isolating for two weeks um, in the area of that they've been, uh, you know, in isolation. Mr. Berry became a key figure in organizing the community from within and is calling for more multicultural staff to be part of the COVID management and the vaccine rollout. I reckon just, you know, getting higher uh, multicultural communities to do the job um, uh, because the, the thing is they, they, they could understand the language, number one. Um, and number two is to uh, give out extra resources for those people that who are, you know, uh, doing the job. He's not alone in calling for the need to include people of African heritage in the workforce that delivers services to their communities. Machod Achol is South Sudanese-born Australian who calls himself a concerned citizen. He says involving members of African community in helping with information would be beneficial. We have a lot of people who work in that sector. It will be a good idea to bring some of them so that uh, when people see them around, that will encourage them. 
Mr. Achol acknowledges a slight improvement in the government's communication with the African community around COVID and the vaccine rollout, but he would like to see more done. I want them to share information with the community members and the community leaders. Then when you have that ongoing channel of communication with community leaders and community members, it will go down smoothly. And that's what I want to happen. In a statement, the Victorian Department of Health says it communicates with residents through different platforms before any restrictions are imposed. Engagement is tailored to the community on each state and has included letterboxing, door knocking and direct messaging. In-person community events have also been held prior to public health restrictions coming to an effect, statement read. Hamdi Ali who lives in Carlton Housing Towers, was instrumental in coordinating efforts to assist the residents during the lockdown. He also maintains that there is still a communication gap between the residents and the authorities. Unfortunately, I don't believe anything has changed. But he acknowledged that some services have improved, with new agency assisting the residents. There is an organization tasked to support the residents in North Melbourne and Flemington Towers in recovering from traumas of the lockdown. Other responses to the spread of virus have also improved, including imposition of a new outbreak and vaccination plan, with priorities given to the residents. The residents were not divided into age groups. All the public housing residents from 16 years of age and over, if they prove they lived in the housing towers, are eligible for the vaccination. The biggest change seen between the last year and this year is how the state government managed the outbreak in these public housing with vaccination teams in place there. In a statement, the Victorian Department of Health confirmed the eligibility of these residents for Pfizer vaccine. Those living or working in high-risk accommodations have been eligible for Pfizer irrespective of age since July 2021 and have had access to reserved appointments at state-run vaccination clinics, the statement said. The state government offered some large families who were crammed into tiny flats to move to private rental housing further out of town. It's estimated around 100 families took up the offer. Among them is Abderman Magan and his family who moved from the housing towers to a house in Melbourne's northern suburbs. Online education was among challenges faced by families in these very crowded apartments. Maybe the apartment is overcrowded. It's hard for the children to sit close to each other while listening to class lectures or talking to the teacher. But the house has a backyard and different spaces kids can sit with their laptops. So that's a big difference. Mr. Megan urges other families to take this opportunity and relocate. Hamse Ise is a tenant in one of the towers and has experienced last year's hard lockdown. He sees a big improvement in the ways the towers are managed during Melbourne's current outbreak. Level three, I'm a level four. Level 
If COVID cases are detected in level 3 or level 1, only that level is isolated and everyone in that level is asked to quarantine in their apartments or they are taken elsewhere for 14 days. He believes the vaccination in the towers is progressing at a good rate, but admits some people need extra convincing. Mr. Issa also did his part to increase the vaccination rate. The surprising thing is that the day I got vaccinated, I had to convince six of my friends to go with me to the vaccination center, saying to them, let us increase the vaccine rates. The state ombudsman Deborah Glass later found that the lockdown itself was justified on the public health grounds, but the sudden implementation without warning was not justified. She also recommended the government should apologize to the residents, not for the lockdown, but for the implementation and the breaches of human rights. While some admit the lessons have been learned from last year's hard lockdown for money, it's a legacy hard to shake off. And there are calls for the state government to engage and to communicate better with the communities. In the next episode of this podcast series, we will examine how pop-up vaccination clinics set up for African community is boosting the vaccination rates. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from.